I'm reading a portion of what is called the parable of the talents that Jesus gave in Matthew 25. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, the King James says, Lo, there you have what is yours. I want to preach about this guy today, this one talent man. Thank you for engaging in worship. God bless you. Please be seated. Amen. This church exists because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. But this church is also fueled by the ministry labors of 343 men and women, including young people, young adults, who serve in ministry officially at our church. Those people serve in 843 ministry Positions are about 2.5 ministries per person on average. We're really blessed here. You know, last week we celebrated 60 years of faithfulness, the faithfulness of God to our church and the faithfulness of our people to a faithful God. In our church, we have an amazing church trustee board that is engaged, spiritual, supportive, that has the official oversight of the ministries of our church. We have a tremendous pastoral leadership team that I work very closely with, uh, with every week, and they serve our church. We have a pastoral staff of employees and people that have given themselves vocationally to serve our church. In addition to that, we have a large number of what we call 301 leaders who lead the variety of ministries in our church. And then those volunteers that I just mentioned. And then lots of more faithful members who give and support our church. And your giving, your move the mission offering. Many other things show that this is a very strong, solid church. And I commend you for that. It is an honor to be the pastor of this church. But as you know, it is not a one-man show. It is not a solo performance. It is all of us. Responding to God's call in our lives, doing what we can do to advance the cause of Christ in this local church. But it's our custom every year to honor faithful volunteers in our church. So today I would like to give two Lifetime Achievement Awards. This award uh, says Lifetime Achievement Award in honor of this particular person for outstanding faithfulness, service, and sacrifice to the kingdom of God. Volunteer celebration, which we officially do every other year, September 19th, 2021. The first award I'd like to give is to Sister Rosa Walden. Sister Walden, would you please stand and would you give her a hand? Amen. Thank you, Sister Walden. Her daughters helped us accumulate this. She came to our church in 1982 at Cooper Lake Road 
which is both a place and an era of revival in our church. Back then, she was on the cleaning team when people took turns on teams to clean the church. And she would bring her girls with her to clean the church. No wonder they do such a great job and are so meticulous when they clean. Sister Walden cooked and baked for church events and then individually for people in the church that she blessed with her amazing cooking. She worked a lot of long hours baking and helping set up for what back then was the fall festival and she did it every year. There's a thing called Mother's Memorial. It's a missions fundraising effort that happens around Mother's Day every year. And Sister Walden assisted Sister Nancy Dudley in raising funds for Mother's Memorial. When Lisa LaPrade, her daughter, cleaned the Family Life Center along with Richard and their entire family, she assisted with that. Through the years, Sister Walden has helped cook for funerals, serving at funerals, bringing food and baked goods, and her delicious cakes made with old school ingredients, thin layers with delicious icing. I haven't eaten very much today, so I'm really hungry right now. I wish I could tell you I wouldn't preach long because of that, but I've got a lot to do today. And then she served in our friendship force, meeting people, welcoming them to our church. During my tenure for the past 26 years, Sister Walden has been a very faithful, solid saint of God. She is thoughtful, cheerful, willing to work. She's a strong, resolute, godly lady. And from time to time, she keeps me going by making lady fingers for me, which are amazing. Just a little tip there, but she made some not that long ago. So Sister Walden, not just for doing something for a day or a week or a year, but for a lifetime of serving God and giving your best. We honor you today. Would you once again thank Sister Walden for a lifetime of service to the Lord. And she is healthy and has years to go. The next couple I would like to honor are Brother Jack and Sister Sylvia White. Would you please stand right now, Brother and Sister White. Thank you. Sister White was a Sunday school teacher for many years, and she worked in our Christian school. Brother White served as our head usher and also served on our trustee board. They used to have meetings between services, and Brother Townsend says that they never minded going because Brother White also always provided good food and something to drink. Brother and Sister White went out on visitation on Saturdays taking their day off to go reach out to people who needed the Lord. They came to the Lord when the church was on Chestnut Street, so that's a long time ago. Brother Brad Fain told us that one of his fondest memories of Brother and Sister White was as Sunday school teachers. Brother White would sing a song, He's the Vine and I'm the Branches, his banana, it's supposed to be banner, his banana over me is love. Brad said, Brother Brad said, they would laugh so hard every time as Brother White made Sunday school a very fun time. He was always 
very funny. Brother Brad said he always loved sitting near Brother and Sister White, who back then sat way up front, because he would always finish the scriptures that were being read across the pulpit because he had memorized the Word of God. Sister White, Brother Brad said, was always quiet and still is, but a very solid woman of God, a faithful wife and mother, a teacher, as he already mentioned in our school, and she was the goal checker. That means if you didn't get your goals, she would give you a detention. You'd have to stay after church. I got a witness of that in the first service. Brother and Sister White were great worshipers, and Brother White, someone who in the years when he had all that strength, was demonstrative in worship. And Brother White, thank you for still giving it all you've got all the time. Amen. <laughs> Brother and Sister White both went through some health issues that kind of sidelined them for a while. But they've been back in church being faithful, and I'm very thankful for your support through the years. Brother White, you're such an encourager to your pastor. I appreciate that. And I'm so excited about the revival that God is giving your family because of your years of faithfulness and prayer. Would you once again thank Brother and Sister White for their lifetime of service that we're honoring today. Amen. I also am going to honor some people who are really just representative of the second mile spirit of the great volunteers of our church. I'll mention them for just a few things. There are many, many people that could receive this award every year. I'd like to first honor Julianne Copeland, who serves on our registration and check-in team. <laughs> Julianne, are you here? She was in the first service. She's there she is in the back. Thank you for sticking around. Amen. She's working right now on the attendance team. Aren't you glad you're here today? I hope she sees you. Sister Stephanie Hernandez, who leads that team, said that she's always more than willing to help with both registration, check-in, and the attendance team, always willing to help with very little notice when someone wasn't able to come at the last minute. If someone cancels, she's willing to step in. Never complains, always serves with friendliness and a welcoming smile, to everyone who comes in our building. On multiple occasions, Brother Jury has had to ask Julianne and her cohort, her sidekick, a Danielle, that I'll honor in just a minute, but they were there to check in people again. He commented the same, that they would serve on little notice, she would, and uh, filling in for other volunteers. And they also assisted in training new volunteers how to work with our system and to get used to the iPads and whatever was done. So thank you, Sister Julianne. Would you thank her again, everyone in the church? And if you're watching online, you can applaud at home. The second person is Danielle Norris, standing right back there with Julianne. Would you give her a hand right now? <clears throat> Through COVID, both these young ladies have been heroes in the way they have served our church. If you've passed through our foyer in a church service, you know that they were there almost every week helping and serving, and we appreciate that very much. 
Amen. Sister Stephanie says of Danielle, it sounds like I'm reading from the same script. It's the same basic story for two very special young ladies. Always willing to help with registration, check-in, and attendance. Always willing to help on short notice. If Sister Stephanie was ever in a bind and a volunteer canceled, if she needed extra help, Danielle was always there. Never complain. Always serve with a friendly attitude and welcome people who came to church. Brother Jury mentions the same about Danielle. There were times that he needed help at the last minute, and she was willing to step in and help us and train new volunteers to serve in our check-in and our attendance team. You may remember that during COVID, from May 31st all the way to December 31st, we had 1,151 unique individuals attend church at least once and many people many times. So during COVID, helping know who was here and making sure registration check-in was done right was a really big deal. So thank them again, if you would, for their work to help us know our people and look diligently, the Bible says, to your herds or the flock of God. Next, I'd like to honor Bo Johnson. If you'd give Bo a hand, who serves in children's ministry and also on our production team. Are you here in this service, Bo? Or are you serving? There's Bo. Would you please stand? Morgan, you can stand with him if you'd like. Thank you. No? Okay. Sister Jackie, who is the administrator of our children's ministry, said that Bo is very committed and reliable. We believe in being faithful. If you say you're going to serve, that you should actually do that. Brother Brad said that Bo is very bright and intelligent. I don't know about that, but that's Brad's opinion. <laughs> and this is true. Thank you, Brother Brad. Good observation. And since coming to the Chips team, it's been a pure joy having him. His love for God first, his love for his family are the ingredients to make a fine children's ministry volunteer. He truly loves and cares for the kids. Outside of CHIPS, as an example, he's involved in the father-son camping trip, but there, Bo's not just with his boys, but he makes sure everyone feels welcome. Bo also served during junior camp. Sister Jackie helped lead our junior camp for the Georgia district. And thank you, Bo, for taking time off work to serve there and she said that he did an amazing job. He helped head up our outdoor pavilion, helped in the game room, made connections with the kids, highly relational and he was always a huge help in the dorms where you really need somebody that's like an army ranger or a navy seal you ought to get many crowns in heaven for working in the dorm, not just at any camp but junior camp. I'm just going to say, I didn't say this in the first service. Some of those boys aren't really comfortable at junior camp, and they will try to go a week without a bath. So you need to have good people serving in those dorms. You can just take that off the record there. Bo also serves on our production team. And Ryan Johns, our director of production, said that Bo has been extremely helpful on the team. He's always dependable communicates whenever he has a scheduling conflict and he's jumped in to help with funerals and other services when Ryan needed help. Bo is dependable, 
does his job well, and always has a wonderful attitude. So today, I want to thank Bo and Morgan and Saul and Samuel for so being, to be, being so deeply committed to the Lord and our church and for serving in ministry. And would you let him know that right now, it's a family effort. Morgan serves right beside him. My final Second Mile Award recipient is Brother Chris Walton, and he was in the first service, but would you thank him? If you're here, Brother Walton, please stand. He was in the first service. Their whole family was sitting right here. He serves on our Hope Ministry team, and uh, this coming Saturday, they will celebrate 15 years of faithfulness to Hope Ministry. Brother William Jones, who serves on that team, mentioned that through COVID, when Sister Margaret Bennett's sister was sick, uh, and Mary Donaldson and Sister Margaret couldn't come to Hope, that she passed that baton to Brother Chris Walden. What she did is gather clothes for the homeless and would distribute them. So Brother Chris now organizes that clothing and has even taken it to another level. Brother Chris also serves on our parking team. And Brother Mike Gornick who leads our parking team, said that Chris is definitely always on duty. He's attentive. He has high eyes, meaning he's always looking around for a need, which to me says he has a lot of initiative, which I love. High eyes, always looking for opportunities to serve our guests. He is compassionate, sacrifices himself to help in any capacity necessary. Last Sunday on our 60th anniversary, he pulled double duty. He served on our parking lot team and then he helped serve back in the 60th anniversary reception. Brother Mike said, I know he also serves in hope and takes care of clothing donations to that ministry. And Brother Mike Gornick said, I'm so thankful that we serve in ministry with such godly and committed people. And I hope you, hope you let our parking team know how much you appreciate them. They serve rain or shine, cold or heat. They're there to minister to our family along with hundreds of other people. Amen. Brother David Jury noticed that often Brother Chris Walton will be in the foyer watching to see if someone pulls up to let someone out of the car, the vehicle, that needs a little extra help getting in the building. So he's not just doing his job. He's got the global view of what it means to be a servant in the kingdom of God to serve your church and the people of God. But Brother Chris Walton also serves on the crossover team, those preteen young people between chips and the crowd. Sister Becca Austin, who leads that team, says, I would call him a willing vessel to do anything he can to help. He leads games. He sets up tables. He picks up trash. He's always willing to help, no matter what it is, to serve our students. And when he serves, he serves with a humble spirit. He's been a blessing, she said, to cross over. And I'd also like to thank his wife, who also serves in ministry, Sister Amelia, Jemiah, Jordan, and CJ, 
for also being committed to our church. So would you now let these people and everyone who serves in ministry know you can stand if you would like. You may be applauding for yourself, but you're applauding for your peers, for your leaders in ministry. Amen. Thank you. I know that John the Baptist heard the compliments of Jesus after his servants were gone, after his messengers were gone. And John the Baptist got his well done when he arrived in heaven. But we think it's important to let people know how much we appreciate their service to the Lord and his church means to this local church. And I thank you. Amazing people. And in addition to everyone who serves in an official place in our organization, I am aware that many of you do things, whether you're involved in an official ministry of not or not, that we never track, we never know about, unless we just randomly hear about it. Last night, my wife wasn't even thinking about what I would preach today. She was just sharing with me some people in our church that went the extra mile yesterday to minister to some of our elders. It won't be calculated in time, but God keeps good records of every good deed done in the name of the Lord to minister to someone else. It was Jesus who said that even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. So I want to encourage you to keep doing everything you can for every person you can help, every opportunity you have, whether they are in our church or not, and do it as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's what makes the body of Christ a great church in the earth. Amen? That's what makes us the light of the world and the salt of the earth because we make a difference by serving. Amazing people. Now it is the culture of this local church and God's church. It's biblical principle that everyone who is saved is called to serve in the body of Christ. We are compared to the human body in the Bible with members in particular. Each having a place, each having a function that is integral and essential to the body functioning as a healthy body. The members itself answering to the head, who is Jesus Christ, actually provide strength and healing and nourishment to the body of Christ. The Bible speaks specifically about the spiritual ministry gifts that God has given in the church. In Romans chapter 12, that speaks of spiritual ministry gifts. The Bible said that God has dealt to everyone, each one, a measure of faith. Now that's not faith in this case, in this place in the Bible, for a miracle, although it takes faith for a miracle. But he is speaking specifically about a measure of faith 
that is used for ministry in the body of Christ. That God has given something to everyone to do something to bring him glory and to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. So through the years, we've gotten into Matthew chapter 25, this parable of the talents that Jesus taught that teaches us about the stewardship of the ministry that God has given us. Matthew 25 said that the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. Now back then, he owned them. We could say that in the modern times, they were like his employees. They could have been indentured servants. And he delivered his goods to them. So he is the owner. They are stewards or they are managers of something that they have received that doesn't belong to them. It belongs to him. And the Bible calls him their Lord or like their master. To one, he gave five talents. We don't know how much this talent was worth, whether it was gold or silver, but it was money. To another, he gave two, and to another, one. According, each according to his individual or his own ability. So when the master gave that first man five talents, he knew that he could handle five, and he entrusted him with something. Two talent man, the same. The one talent man, that may seem like it was judgmental, but it was probably an act of mercy to not give him more than he could handle. The Bible said he gave these talents out, and then immediately he went on a journey. Now it reminds me, in principle, Jesus, I believe, is talking about his ascension into heaven, where he ascended on high, according to Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave gifts to men. He is like this man who travels on a long journey that is giving us ministry abilities to be used for his glory. He goes on a long journey. That's what happened with us when Jesus filled us with the Spirit. Now, the story goes on, and Jesus says, the man who received five talents, he went and traded them. He went on the stock market, maybe bought some real estate, whatever he did, but he doubled what the man gave him, and he earned five more talents. The guy who received two did the very same thing. He doubled what he had received. But this one talent man, many of you know about him. When he got it, he went and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. It was not his money. It was his Lord's money. He made a decision to do something that was not really what he was called to do. He buried it. So, put it in the ground. The master, the Lord, goes on a long journey. 
Now, I've thought about this one talent guy for years. And I wonder if he had an inferiority complex. I mean, how would it feel to you? You know, if you've ever been picked last on a team, that's kind of a weird feeling, right? I know you're saying it's never happened to me. But, you know, maybe they didn't know how good you were. So he's standing there. One guy gets five, one gets two. Here you go, buddy. You know, we don't, we, you know, really don't have a lot going for you, but we believe you've got a little bit going for you. Here's one talent. So he's really struggling with this, evidently. And, but but it's, I told you it's an act of mercy that he's not given more than he can handle. And then time passes. A long time. That's what the Bible says that after Matthew 25, 19, on the screens, after a long time, it's not days, weeks, or months, it seems that it's years because these men have had enough time to take what they were given, invest it, and double. It probably took several years at least to take what was given them and to invest it. And then the, the master comes back, the Lord comes back, and it is time to give an account. Now, I want to pause here to say that you and I will give an account to God for the gifts that he has given us. They are not your gifts. They are his gifts. You really don't get to decide to bury it. It's not yours. It's his. And you are only a steward or a manager to do something with what he's given you. So Matthew 20, 29, 20, excuse me, 25, 20. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, five talents, few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The master says, good job. Well done. You have my words of approval. And someone said that if we want to hear the words well done, then we need to do well. That's what well done is contingent upon the joys of your Lord. The five-talent man is blessed. Now, the two-talent man is very similar wording. He also, verse 22, who had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler. You were just a guy investing, but now I'm going to give you supervisory authority. Same thing with the five-talent man. You've shown yourself faithful in a few things. I'm going to multiply your influence and your authority. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Five talents, two talents are just considered a few things. But he made a profit. He doubled what was given to him. He is not compared with the five-talent guy or the one-talent guy. 
They're not in competition with one another. The competition is for your potential. It's your best for your Lord that you will give an account for in the judgment seat of Christ. But then there is the guy, the one talent man. He who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, verse 24, I knew you to be a hard man. Does anybody remember the five talent guy or the two talent guy saying that? They did not say that. They saw themselves in a partnership. They saw the investment of five and two talents as a, as a trust. I believe in you and I'm giving you something because I know that you can do something with it. But not this guy. He says, I knew you were a hard man. Reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, I love the King James, lo, there you have what is yours. Now, you know that a conversation is going in the wrong direction when a subordinate says to a superior, I knew you were a mean boss. You're a, you're a tough guy to work for. He saw his master in a totally different light than the other two men. They saw partnership. He might have seen a setup for failure. Maybe something's going through his mind. I know. He thinks I'm going to go out and invest that and lose it. I'll sure surprise him. When he gets back, I'm not going to be a loser. I'm going to be a maintainer. I don't think the Lord likes maintenance mode at all. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, look at how he labels him, wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Do you notice something missing from the response? Of the Lord, the master, he doesn't accept the moniker that I'm a hard man. He, he knows he's not a hard man, but he does say, I do gather, I do reap where I have not sown, and I do gather where I have not scattered seed, because that's not my job, that's your job. I'm the master, I'm investing in you, I'm entrusting you, that's what you're supposed to do. So he says. Verse 27, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Right now, if you do that, there's not much interest. But the, the master, the Lord is saying, better than nothing. At least you could have had something to show for all this time. What have you been doing all this time? Apparently, you've been doing nothing because he calls him a lazy servant. There's an expectation of this man, but his laziness is evidently tied to his wickedness, and the wickedness is kind of hard to imagine. 
So the master says, the Lord, I want you to take the one talent, give it to the man with ten, because that's the way the kingdom works. If you are not productive, I'll take away even what you have, and I will give it to someone who has shown himself to be faithful. This man has acknowledged that he, he has this talent, that it belongs to the Lord, and that he has buried it in the ground. And he says, Lord, here is this, it belongs to you. Then verse 30. And this is what has really kind of rocked me this week. I know this story. You know this story. Many of you do. I've taught from this story through the years, but, but I just started over fresh. I didn't, I didn't want to look at what I've, how I've addressed it before. Verse, 20, verse 30. And cast the unprofitable servant. Unprofitable means worthless. He did nothing. Into the outer darkness... There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Think about what happens to the unprofitable servant. He has been judged as wicked and lazy in verse 26. He does not get a cool rock in heaven. The punishment of the one talent man is rather stunning. Outer darkness Weeping and gnashing of teeth. In case you've missed what that is, that is a lake of fire. That is eternal torment. That is what we sometimes call hell, that lake of fire. This man, because he buried what the Lord gave him, is going to hell. Now, how, how is the man justified? And the Lord is applying this. Jesus is applying this. How can he go to the same place with a bunch of sinners? I mean, his failure is a failure to be productive. But how is that wickedness? And he's going to go to a place, according to Revelation 21 and 8, where there are abominable people there, murderers, sexually immoral people, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars that have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And I thought about the company that this man will keep in hell. And, you know, it's kind of like guys in prison saying, what are you in for? Mass murderer. What are you in for? Robbed 100 banks. What are you in for? It's trying to make up a good story, you know, like, well, I buried my talent. What? You're here for that? Life in prison for that? All I can tell you is I had a chance and I blew it and now I'm here. But as I reread Revelation 21 8, and I want you to see this verse on the screen, that at the head of the list of people who will go to hell are two words that describe this man to a T. But the cowardly, unbelieving, and then the list of all the really bad sinners show up in Revelation 21.8 and going to hell. First on the list of people who would go to hell are people who are cowardly or fearful. This man says, I was afraid. Now what kind of fear? doesn't mean he was afraid of the dark. wasn't afraid of a monster. He was afraid of failure. He was afraid of his master. He thought he was a hard man. He was afraid to enter a partnership with the Lord who loved him, who gave his life for him, who trusted him. He was a coward. 
From the Greek it means a worthless man. And literally, he is worthless. The KC has not produced a prophet. The second sin is unbelieving someone without faith. This one man, he said he was afraid. He buried his talent. He's operating out of cowardice instead of courage. He's operating in unbelief. He knows he's accountable. He's expected to turn a prophet. But what is he afraid of? Is he afraid of failing? And this, this has kind of rocked my mind. And, and I thought about the sin of unbelief. That ultimately, it is the sin that leads to every other sin. Because if you don't believe in heaven or hell, if you don't believe in salvation through Jesus Christ, if unbelief is that chief sin, then it leads to every other kind of sin. This man evidently doesn't believe. And I thought back to the days of the wandering in the wilderness when those people did not enter the promised land. And Hebrews chapter 3 asked the question, Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see, the writer of Hebrews says, that they could not enter because of unbelief. Now, if you read the story, they worshiped calves. They were involved in idolatry and all kinds of sexual sins. But at the root of it all was that they did not believe that God was able to do what he said he would do. And this man inherently should know that he's a partner with God. He's a labor together with God. But he doesn't believe. So I want to tell you today that God believes in you and you need to believe in yourself and you need to believe that God does not pick junk. He doesn't believe in people that he does not know can do something with what he's given you. God believes in you. Do not be paralyzed with fear. Do not let past failure Keep you from a future that's different. As I thought about this passage, familiar passage. Never taught this part of this, and I never thought of this before. But this is what really struck me. The Bible says that when the Lord delivered to them his goods, he went on a he went immediately on a journey, and we learn later it was a long time. I thought about what could have happened over a long time. These three men, evidently, they work for the same man. Possibly they work in the same business, enterprise, farm. They probably eat lunch together. They, they may know each other. They're certainly not distant people. The five-talent man, can't you imagine him sharing the excitement of how he went and traded and invested and, and something came from it. And the two-talent man, he's sharing his story and, and the one-talent man is just dead silent. He doesn't have anything to talk about. He's ashamed. He's afraid. But at the root of it, there's a laziness there that he doesn't want to go take a risk. He doesn't want to venture out. But this is what really I, I want to preach today at the end of this message. That you've got time to make a change. 
what if that man over that long period of time would have woke up one day and said, hey, I am wasting my life. I am wasting what God gave me. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to be a different man. What I'm preaching to you today is that there is still time for you to do it differently. There is time for you to wake up and come to yourself. There is time for you to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Thank God today you've got time to change. Praise God. I think some people who are, see themselves as one talent people are not really one talent people. I've worked with people all my life, all my adult life of ministry. And people who are probably really five talent people or two talent people just genuinely don't believe they have much to offer. They see themselves as a one talent man or woman. And out of fear, out of unbelief, they just bury their talent trying to just hold on. They don't want to lose anything. But ultimately for this man, he lost everything, including his soul. This investor, this master, the Lord in this story, expected something from these men. And when he came back, when this man had nothing, not even 1% interest from putting it in some type of an investment, he is called wicked, lazy, and he is sentenced to eternity in hell. So it's a very serious matter what we do with what God has given us. But my message today, whether you're a five-talent person producing two-talent person, is that every one of us need to be aware that one day, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone will receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done whether it be good or bad. This is the judgment of saints. Let's bow our heads right now. Lord, I thank you for the amazing people in this church and in your body around the world who serve you with gladness and serve your church, Lord, with an open hand. I thank you, Lord, today, God, for the people who really understand stewardship, Lord, that it is not just something you've given us, but it is an expression of your confidence in us that you would not give us giftings if you believe we were inept and unable to multiply that talent, Lord, that is given us. I pray for the person today who feels totally inadequate. That they have so very little to offer. And Lord, they are hiding their talent. They are burying their talent. And I ask you today to let this day be a day of change, Lord. What that one talent man should have done and could have done in his lifetime and all the years or however long it was, however much time passed. 
Every day he got up knowing that he was doing nothing. And Lord, he could have done something with what you had given him. So today, Lord, I pray that you would help me make the best with what you've invested in my life. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help me develop the giftings that you've placed in me and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. This story just came to my mind. I've told this story before. When I was eight years old, I, my parents allowed me to take piano lessons. And I still have the piano that I took lessons on in our house. Mrs. Ledoux that I didn't think was that good of a teacher. She's really old. She's probably in her 60s. <laughs> Mrs. Ledoux, I was eight, you know. She taught me my very first song. It was called Mr. Middle C. You had to find Middle C on the keyboard and you had to say, can you give me a C? Mr. Middle C. You can go back into the real key, but anyway. Thank you. Mr. Middle C. That was it. And, you know, I, I thought about going into the songwriting business at eight. I knew one song. And you could make, you could make lyrics of Jesus, I love you. Be a profitable servant. You know, I could have written a song. But what if, what if I don't have near the talent of my boys, you know, and my dad, but what if I had just like, okay, I'm talented. I can play a note. If God gave me any musical ability, and he, he did back in the day, you know, my gift back to God was what I did with that. That's called practice. We've talked about this before, Brother Brandon. How many hours a day did you and Isaac practice? I know Isaac probably practiced more than you, but how much did you practice when you were growing up? Sometimes five or six hours a day. Maybe you sat out in the audience and there's somebody playing music and you're like, man, I wish God would give me a gift to play like that. No, that's called five or six hours a day. That's not Mr. Middle C. That's in another world. But I know people who after years of serving God, they're effectively playing Mr. Middle C. When they should be playing chords. They should be playing sevenths and ninths and minors and diminished chords. They should be well advanced beyond where they are. But they have buried their Lord's talent. So today I'm Encouraging you, challenging you. It's not too late. It's not too late. The Lord is, as of right this moment, He could come back before I finish this sentence. But you still have time to change your mind and make the best you can of the giftings that God has given you.